0: So, we have had a lot of fun with this series. Uh, Before we jump into the message today, we don't normally do this if this is your first time, but uh, I want to cover a couple things. Last week, if you were here, the DIY project was a unicorn cake. We had at least two groups attempted, at least two groups that posted it to social media. Uh, Some of the others of you may have attempted it, but you didn't post it. Uh, So, here's one group. And this is, uh, yeah, that's not bad there. This is some of our teenage girls, Uh, Caroline, my daughter, Callie McElroy, uh, Gracie Nash, and uh, an assist from Gracie's mom, Tiffany. Great job by some of our students. And then we have one of our community groups do this one. This is our Thursday night group. Uh, They meet at David. Yeah, give them a hand. Uh, that's part of the group. They, they meet at David and Lisa Hennessy's. So this is what you're missing by not being in a community group, right? You need to get in a community group. It's great fun, meet wonderful people, and you make cakes. So uh, that was awesome. Thank you for trying that. Uh, again, normally we don't start out this way. A, a little more serious, and then we're going to get into the message. Um, I, I don't know about you. Uh, th- this has been, for me, uh, one of the most discouraging weeks as it relates to our, our politics and our elected officials. Um, I, I, don't, I try not to get discouraged by the way humans are, because humans are humans. Uh, but as far as, far as our, our, our elected officials, boy, this has been a rough week, um, and, and I, I'm not smart enough to figure all the details out. I'm not making a statement about the details. Uh, I, I do think we need to pray um, because I'm fairly certain it's not going to get better this coming week. And it's probably not going to get better the week after that. Uh, we, we, we are in um, the most frustrating time in my life, at least I am, uh, with where and I 'm trying to avoid the use leader, the word, I'm trying to avoid using the word leadership because I, I don't think we have that uh, among our political uh, elected uh, officials. but we as god 's people, we have a God who is sovereign over all of that and reigns over all of that and, and is in control and we can trust him and, and we can call out to him on behalf, of a, a secular leadership and secular country who maybe they don't trust Him, but God's still in control and over all things. And I just felt like we needed to do that, uh, to ask God to work in hearts and minds and, and work in our system as well as to bring healing and comfort to victims of sexual assault because, I mean, this whole week and process uh, again, whatever the truth is in the specifics of what we've seen, there are people who are victims of sexual assault, and this has brought to the surface wounding and hurt and pain and memories, and they need to know that we stand with them. We, we love them in Jesus' name, and there is grace, and, and there is God's love regardless of of what's happened in their past and what others have done to them. Uh, so, I, I just want to pray. I just want to pray a, a prayer, and and I hope that this will encourage you to pray throughout this week and the weeks that are to come, because I think we need it. Let's pray. God, we come to you <clears throat> not claiming to have all the answers uh, for the problem that's in front of us as a nation. Um Not claiming some special knowledge, uh, because I don't have it. Uh, uh, I don't know where the truth lies. Uh, I just know it's been a discouraging week to see the way that people we've put into office behave. Uh, It's been a discouraging week, uh, thinking that there are many who, who are wounded who have been wronged through no fault of their own, no choice of their own, no decision of their own. And, and this has resurfaced that for many, many people, especially women in our country. God, I, I pray Your comfort for, for those women, for, for those victims. Uh, I, I pray Your sovereign rule over our leaders, God, I, I, we know, your word tells us, kings make decisions, but, but you chart the future. Uh, you, you are in control, and where we can't figure things out and we don't understand things, we, we know that you reign above all things, and so we ask you on behalf of our country that you would, you would bring us to truth and you would bring us to justice and, and truth would be revealed. For I pray it in Christ's name, amen. So we've been in this series uh, DIY. Uh, back in the summer, probably all of you know, probably all of us live in Georgia. Uh, you may be visiting from out of state. So uh, this, this past summer, the hands-free law was passed. And so you, you can't use your phone, touch, touch your phone, those sort of things uh, in a car. And, and that sent many of us scrambling for Bluetooth devices and headphones and whatever strategy we could come up with to take a phone call. In the car, Um, but it was passed because uh, the evidence was pretty clear that distracted driving was leading to a lot of accidents in our state, a lot of fatalities in our state. Um, Because no matter how smart we think we are, no matter how good we think we are at multitasking, no matter how good we are, how good we think we are at texting and driving, we're really not very good at it. No matter how good we think we are at posting to social media while driving, the studies show we're not very good at it. Uh, no matter how good we think we are at taking live video while driving, we're not good at it. No matter how good we think we are at eating while texting, while talking on the phone, while taking a video that we're going to post to social media while driving, we're not really good at it and we need it to be stopped. From ourselves. So the government steps in, the state steps in and says, All right, we got to make this law because we're having too many accidents, too many fatalities. And for some of us, it wasn't a bad transition because some of us had already decided this was a bad idea and we had committed or we decided, I'm not going to text and drive, I'm not going to use my phone. Others of us, we had to figure out how to stop doing this because it had become second nature. Uh, for us while we were in the car. Fortunately, we had some tools, right? Our phone gives us some tools. You can swipe up, hit the little car sign, you get the do not disturb. So you could put it on do not disturb and you wouldn't see text and you wouldn't know that somebody was calling you. That way you wouldn't be tempted to get on your phone while you're driving. Or you could put it in the glove compartment so you wouldn't see it. Or you could turn it off so you would never know until you arrived somewhere that somebody was trying to reach you. Sometimes, some of us, when it comes to hands-free, it just became a discipline issue. I had to do something so that I wouldn't be tempted to. have been talking about worship, doing it yourself, uh, that, that worship is not for the people on the stage, it's not for the professionals, it's not for the really spiritual people. It's for all of us. It's a do-it-yourself project. And every time we come together to worship, you're supposed to worship. I'm supposed to worship myself. I'm supposed to do this. One of the challenges when it comes to to worshiping ourselves is we can get distracted in worship. Or uh, another problem, sometimes we don't feel like worshiping. I mean, if if we're honest Sometimes we come on Sunday mornings, and yes, you can worship during the week. We talked about that. But when we come on Sunday mornings to worship together collectively, sometimes I don't feel like worshiping. My my emotions aren't tuned in. My mind's not here. I'm tired. Any number of reasons, I don't feel like worshiping on that day. So as we wrap up this series... I want to cover a couple of areas. They're not really related. They're kind of some random areas I chose to, to, to finish the series by. Just, some, just a couple of suggestions for those days. For those days when we're distracted or we don't really feel like worshiping. And I, Here's my first suggestion. Recognize that worship sometimes requires discipline and not just feelings. Sometimes, worship requires discipline and not just feelings, and I know that is not very inspiring. As As a communicator, I want to be inspiring. I want to lift us to new heights and great emotional moments. I know it's not inspiring to say that sometimes worship is not led by our feelings. It's led by our choices. We, as the people who plan the services and think about church all the time, we want to be inspired. We want you to feel things. The truth of the matter is we don't always feel things. Feelings don't always lead our worship. They can. I mean, you think about how we're, we're sort of divided up in, in our inner being. Uh, we have our emotions. Um, we have our intellect, our mind. But we also have our will. We have decision-making ability. And on any given Sunday, any of those three might be what has to lead us into worship. Sometimes we come and our hearts really are full. We really are happy. We really are joyful. Great things have happened that week. And our singing is just an overflow of that great emotion that we feel. And that's awesome when when our feelings lead us into worship. Other times... We're learning something new about God perhaps that week. Maybe we studied something in His Word. We saw God in a new way. We learned a new characteristic about God or how He works or or a new story in the Bible. Maybe we talked about a new idea in our community group. And so we, we learned something new about God. And so we're excited to come back to work because our intellect has been stretched in how we understand God. But if we're honest... Sometimes we come to worship and our our emotions aren't there. And and our mind is tired. We're tired of thinking stuff. We've been thinking stuff all week. Or maybe we're physically tired. We're physically worn down. That's when our will has to kick in. That's when our decision-making ability has to kick in. Because sometimes... I must make a sincere desire of my will to enter into worship because God is worthy of my worship and my soul needs to worship. Just for those two reasons alone. I have to decide I will participate today. Not because I feel like it because sometimes I don't feel like it. Not because I have a lot of emotion because sometimes I don't have a lot of emotion. I'm going to... Choose to worship because God's worthy of my worship. He really does deserve it. Every time we come together to worship, He deserves worship and praise. And because of that, and because my soul actually needs worship, even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to choose to worship. Paul writes in uh, the book of Colossians uh, chapter 3, right at the beginning of chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, since then... And Christ is going to come back one day in glory, and you're going to be a part of that glory. This is going to be this incredible moment. This is what Christ has done for you. Think about all the things that He's done for you. And when you come to worship, sometimes you have to intentionally set your heart on Christ. That's an action word. That's a choice of my will. I am going to put... My heart, my affections, my emotions on God, even though I don't feel like it. I'm going to put my mind on God, even though I may not feel like it. I'm not faking it. I'm not pretending. I'm enabling my will to lead me in to worship. And as uninspiring as that may be, as unappealing as that may be, sometimes worship is a choice of my will. I'm gonna do this because God's worthy of it and I need it. So even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to engage in worship. And sometimes that means disciplining myself to avoid distractions that I can avoid. Things that could pull my attention away from God while I'm in worship, for example, right? This. Like this is with us all the time, we are always accessible. And for some of us, just like putting do not disturb, disturb on your phone, you may need to put a do not disturb during worship. Or you may need to turn it off. During, I've turned mine off primarily because I know some of you seeing it in my hand will start texting me and seeing if your text pops up because I know how some of you are. <clears throat> and I will know if you did that at the end of the service, by the way. Sometimes you just need to turn it off. Maybe turn it off, leave it in your glove compartment in the parking lot. I know that we encourage you to use the U-Version app. Please do use the U-Version app unless you use the U-Version app and then can't a- avoid using all of the other apps on your phone. Like if you can't avoid that, then don't use the U-Version app. I know we, we tend to think, well, what if there's an emergency? What if somebody needs me? I don't want to hurt your feelings you're probably not that important. (laughs) I I love you, and we're friends, and we're tied like me and you. We'd hang out. Neither one of us is probably so important that we can't turn this off for an hour so that my will could be pointed toward God. Sometimes we have to choose as a proactive uh, act of our will to set our affections and our mind on God. Another thing to remember about this distraction thing, about this, I don't feel like it, we have to remember that our enemy doesn't want us to worship. Our enemy knows how good being with God's people and putting God first in our affection, he knows how good that is for our soul. And so, of course, he would try to distract us from that. Of course. He would try to pull our mind away or our heart away, or he would give us excuses for not being a part of this. See, it's not just your phone. It's a strategy. This is a strategy of your enemy, the devil, because he knows you need this. The next time you feel that temptation to pull the covers up and roll over and stay in bed, it's not just because you're tired. It's a strategy. It's a strategy of your enemy. The next time you decide we stayed out too late Saturday night, we're just going to skip this week. It's a strategy. It's not just that you got in too late. The next time another event wants to get on your calendar that will keep you away from God's house, it's a strategy. It's not just another event, it's not just another thing on the calendar. It's a strategy. Because the enemy knows your soul, my soul, needs to put God first. We need to worship God. And so, of course, he's going to give us reasons not to. Look, I'm not a big fan of trite religious uh, uh, sayings. If you're around me a lot, you know that. I'm not a big fan of trite religious sayings. But some of us may need to use the not today Satan line sometimes when it comes to worship. Like that moment that we're trying to decide, am I going to go or not go? Not today, Satan. That moment, I start getting text messages in the middle of word, not today, Satan. But the enemy has strategy to use against you. And he will use it to keep you from worshiping. Another thought. Again, different thought. He's trying to talk about distractions. Recognize that not every element in every service is specifically for you. If you want to avoid distraction in worship, in what we do here, you and I have to recognize, we have to get okay with the fact that not everything that happens in every service is for you. If this was you, church, then we could only do the things that you like. If this were insert your name here, church, then I would only preach on things that you wanted me to preach on. Zach would only sing songs that you like. I would only use illustrations that relate specifically to your life. Guess what? This isn't you, church. It's not you, church. It's not me, church, either. We have on any given Sunday several hundred people who come to our church with different backgrounds and different needs, different anxieties, different levels of defensiveness about church and about preachers and about God. We have several hundred people who come every week. Let me give you some examples. We will occasionally do a marriage series We'll spend four or five weeks, we'll talk about marriage, we'll go to the Bible, we'll talk about uh, uh, biblical guidelines and principles for a stronger marriage, not everybody in our church is married. Got a bunch of teenagers down here, not married. They're not thinking about marriage right now. One day maybe they'll be married, they're not thinking about marriage right now. Right? There are single people in our church, and, and, and maybe there'll be something about love or commitment or relationships or God that all of us can take, but the series specifics... Probably aren't for everybody, but marriage is in a world of hurt in our country. We have to teach on this subject from the Bible. We do the same thing with parenting. We, we, we teach on parenting. Not everybody here is a parent. Right? A row of teenagers, they're not going to be parents for a long time, are you teenagers? Especially my daughter's. Long time, not, not even in the realm of possibility right now. We have other people. They're not parents. But we need to teach godly principles about parenting to some of the people that are here. We have some people who are parents of adult children. And usually, just being honest, usually when we do a parenting series, the thrust, like 98% of it is families with kids at home, Discipline, love, encouragement—maybe ten or fifteen minutes at the most. One message about uh, how do you interact when, when you have adult kids? Like, there's there's kind of a percentage of the people who are going to come on any given Sunday when we do a parenting series. It's not going to quite be where they are. That's okay. It's where somebody is. It's what somebody needed to hear that day we use various illustrations Uh, i I tell stories about my family i tell stories about my kids this may shock you none of those stories are in the bible like not a single one not a single story about my family made it into the bible but I, i tell them because it helps us build a bridge to people We have on any given Sunday people who have no church background. We have people who are unbelievers. They haven't decided whether they're in on Jesus or not. They haven't decided if they're in on the Bible or not. They show up. You know what's on their mind, many of them? Am I going to be uncomfortable? Am I going to get singled out? Are they going to embarrass me? Is anybody going to put me on the spot? So, we do things that help lower the defenses of people who aren't used to coming to church. We, we do things to build bridges to people who don't have a spiritual background, don't have a church background, because they're in the room every single Sunday. And we can't plan our whole service and our whole Sunday as if they're not here. Like, there are people here trying to figure out what we're doing, trying to figure out if they'll fit, if they'll belong, if we'll speak to them, if we'll speak their language. So we show funny DIY videos before the message. And you all laughed, most of you laughed. So that when I walk out here, you've taken a breath. Your defenses are a little bit down, right? You're not anxious. You you say, okay, I... They laugh too. Shocking. They have a sense of humor too. We use uh, illustrations. We have Darth Vader in the hall. We have R two D two in the hall for the last series. Zach sings songs that everybody knows occasionally from the radio to say, "Like hey, we probably believe some things differently, but we're probably a lot like you. You can relax." You, you can rely. it'll be okay. We're probably fairly normal people. And we're not going to put you on the spot. And we're going to try to speak your language a little bit. And we're going to try to connect with you. I use humor. Um, partly because of my personality to use humor. But partly because I know if we can laugh together, we can talk together. Like, like if we laugh over the same thing. Then maybe you will let me talk about some important things. If you realize, for all of our differences that we may have, and you may not be sure about Jesus or the Bible or church or religion, you may have a lot of preconceived notions, but we probably have a lot of things in common too. I I, I was at a a different church years and years ago, totally different situation than than what I do here at Journey. Um, But I've been there a, a number of months. And I I taught there just like I teach you, and I use stories, and I use illustrations, and I use humor. And after one particular uh, Sunday, I I walk down, start speaking to people, and this guy comes up and says, "Um, I I really don't like the way you use jokes in your messages. I, I think it quenches the work of the Holy Spirit. And I said, I think you need to rent a sense of humor before next summer, next Sunday. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. I wanted to say that. I get it. Not, it. My humor is not for everybody. My illustrations are not for everybody. They may not even be for you. You may not even need it. You may not need that to stay engaged. You may not need that to to lower the wall of defensiveness and start listening and start giving us a chance. But there's... There's people here that aren't you. There's people here that aren't you. And if we could build a bridge to somebody, if we could help somebody relax a little bit, if we could help somebody think, well, we have some things in common, then maybe they would come back next week and we'd get to tell them a little more about the Bible. And maybe they would come back the next week and we'd get to tell them a little more About Jesus. And I get it. Some of you don't need it. Totally understand that. But there are people who do need it. There are people who do need a bridge built to them. Out of our empathy and compassion and love for them. That we would do some things that maybe some of you don't need. To reach some people who need to be reached. Last thing. And avoiding distractions, and when my heart doesn't feel like it, recognize that pain is not a reason to run from worship, but can give depth and authenticity to worship. Pain is not a reason to run from worship, it actually can make worship more real, more true. It's not healthy, spiritually, personally, however you wanna look at it, it's not healthy to view worship as just this happy celebration. Yay, we're all supposed to be happy. If I'm not happy, I'm supposed to pretend to be happy. Because nobody wants somebody who's not happy at church. Where it's yay, we sing songs. It's not healthy to view worship as just this time of everybody trying to be happy. Because when we read the Bible, we find a lot of people who weren't very happy worshiping. We find a lot of people who had really tough lives worshiping. We find a lot of people with real brokenness worshiping. And they didn't pretend that they weren't broken. And they didn't pretend that they weren't hurting. And they didn't pretend that things were going fine in their life. They were honest. And they worshiped anyway. We've talked about Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, several times in this series. Isaiah has this vision God is seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe fills the temple, and the doorposts shake, and the, the temple's filled with smoke. It's an incredible, unbelievable moment of worship in Isaiah's life. But if you remember, the chapter begins, the story begins in the year that King Uzziah died. They were in the midst of tragedy. They were in the midst of loss. They were in the midst of brokenness. Individually and even as a nation, as God's people, they were in the midst of hurt and pain and worship happened. We, we read about David in Psalm 34 a couple of weeks ago. He begins Psalm 34 this way, I will extol the Lord, I will lift up the Lord, I will, I will worship the Lord. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips going to do it at all times. His praise will always be on my lips, which is this great anthem, right? It's this wonderful, majestic thought of worship. And what we sometimes forget is David was in a place of despair when he writes this. He writes Psalm 34 when he's running for his life from King Saul. If you don't know the background, Saul is king David, everybody knows, is going to be next king. Saul wants to kill David, so David can't be next king. So David spends years of his life running and hiding out from this crazy king who's trying to kill him. He writes Psalm 34 when he's in enemy territory. Like he's behind enemy lines. He's pretending to be insane. He's pretending to be a crazy person because he thinks, okay, if they think I'm crazy, maybe they won't kill me. And I can live a little bit longer trying to keep Saul from killing me. So all of this is going on in David's life. And he writes, I will worship the Lord at all times, even this time. His praise will always be on my lips. Even in the darkest cave of his life. Even in the darkest moment of his life. If you read through the Psalms, what what you'll find often in the Psalms is this dual edge to the worship songs of the Old Testament. This dual edge of my life is falling apart, and I'm going to worship God anyway. I'm struggling, and I'm going to worship God anyway. Psalm 42 is one example. different worship leader writes this. The very end of Psalm 42, he writes, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior in God. Like, What a great theme. What a great line. But when you back up and read the rest of Psalm 42... He says things like in verse 5, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Like, I'm down. Like, I'm, I'm whipped. I'm discouraged. So, I'm going to use my will. I'm going to choose to praise God, not because everything's perfect, not because everything's going great. Because I need to praise God. In verse uh, 6, he writes, my soul is downcast within me. I'm discouraged. I come to worship and I'm beaten down. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? God, I don't get it. I don't know why you're not paying attention. I don't feel like you're watching over me, God. I'm going to praise you anyway. We don't have to pretend that our lives are perfect when we come to worship. We don't have to pretend that everything is fine. Because when you read the worship leaders of the Old Testament, they said, look, my heart's broken. I don't get it. God, I'm not even sure you're paying attention, but I know I need to worship you, so I'm going to worship you anyway. They brought All of their hurt and pain to their worship, they didn't leave it outside. They didn't pretend it wasn't there. They didn't pretend their life was perfect. Habakkuk is a prophet in the Old Testament. It's not real popular. It's not not like one of the big ones. Uh, He writes a, a little tiny book. It only has three chapters in it. The third chapter is all a prayer. It's all his prayer. And right at the end of the third chapter, he writes... Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And I know we don't relate to fig trees and grapes and olives and sheep and cattle. I mean, we don't relate to that. Here's what he's saying. If things work out, and if they don't, I'm going to praise you. If everything comes through the way I want it, and even if it doesn't, you are still sovereign and I'm still going to praise you. If I have all the resources I need, and when I don't know how we're going to pay the next bill... You're still God, and you're still sovereign, and I'm still going to praise you. I'm going to choose to praise you whether I can figure out my life or not. Like, I like it when life goes well. I love it when life goes well. I like it when the marriage is good and the kids are good. I like it when the bills are paid, the retirement is earning interest, however else you measure goodness in your life. We all like it when it's good, but sometimes it's not good. Sometimes it's not good. And over and over again, we see the worship leaders of the Bible saying, here's what you got to do. you got to take all of that not good, and you got to bring it with you to worship, and you need to worship anyway. Sometimes we praise God because of what's happening. Well, this is a good thing. Well, my life is good. It was a good week. Sometimes we praise God because of what's happening, and sometimes we praise God through what's happening. I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand why this isn't. God, I don't know where you are. This hurts. I'm going to praise you through it anyway. I'm going to worship you anyway. You see, we have to decide. Is worship simply going to be a reflection of how I feel or not? Is worship simply going to be a reflection of whether I'm getting my way in my life? And all the reports are good and the finances are good. Is my worship just going to be a reflection of a good life? Or is my worship going to be a reflection of a good God, whether everything's going right in my life or not? You get to choose. I get to choose every Sunday, every Monday. Every Tuesday, every day that ends in Y, you and I get to choose. Are we going to worship? Is He going to be first, whether I feel like it or not? God, we thank You that regardless of our feelings, regardless of how we're feeling physically, regardless of what's happening in our life, you're still God. You're still on the throne. You are still worthy to be praised. My soul still needs to worship and praise you. There's so many things to distract us when there's only one thing we need to stay focused on, and that's you reigning and ruling over all things. And so I pray that as we end this series, our Our desire and commitment for worship doesn't end, but that we would fight if we need to for worship, that we would commit to worship. And yes, sometimes our feelings are going to lead the way. We're going to be joyous and peaceful and happy, and and our our emotions are going to lead the way, and those are awesome times. Sometimes our intellect is going to lead the way because we're learning more about you and we're studying your word and we're realizing new truths about who you are and our mind's going to lead the way to worship you. Sometimes our will needs to lead the way. We need to decide to worship you above all things regardless of how life is going. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.